0: 3CR and Stick Together acknowledge the Kulin Nations, the true owners, caretakers, and custodians on the land that we are broadcasting from today. Uh, I would like to pay my respect to their elders, past and present, and recognise the ongoing struggle for land, peace, and justice for Aboriginal people. Welcome to Stick Together. I'm your host, James Brennan. Thanks a lot for joining in. I hope you're having a great day wherever you are listening to this episode. And this, well, this week, and for the next coming weeks, uh, when you hear my voice on Stick Together, I'm going to be doing something a little bit different to normal. I'm going to be covering the Australian education system. Now, I think for many people, this might be uh, something that you sort of dip in and out of, perhaps, you know, when you're at school yourself, or, you know, if you might have children or other people where you become connected to uh, the school system, and then, you know, you can kind of easily dip out of that. But this is a fundamental and, you know, I think really important part of our our society and obviously it's something that as taxpayers our money uh, is spent through the government to fund schooling and there's been some quite dramatic changes in this over the last Ten to fifteen years, and a real increase in taxpayer money going to private and independent schools, as well as really a huge amount of education funding being taken away uh, altogether. The Morrison uh, government themselves have taken, uh, you know, millions away from the education, um, from education funding. And I want to look at some of the differences across the uh, states and territories in Australia. We're going to be speaking. To teachers, both past and present, and analysing some of the ways in which the schooling systems differ across the states, as well as hearing, uh, you know, from those involved in state schools, uh, private schools, religious schools, uh, and hearing about some of the challenges that uh, these teachers and, and the schools, um, you know, those involved in the school may face. This program is produced in Melbourne for 3CR and the Community Radio Network, with the support of the Community Radio Foundation. Ever since Julia Gillard was Prime Minister, and she introduced what was called the Education Revolution, which had a lot of new buildings built in schools, but also, I guess, a kind of homogenisation of the education system, where the states and territories were to adopt a, you know, the same curriculum across the country. Uh, so that's one of the issues uh going to be exploring over the next little while, is talking to teachers from different states and asking, you know, what is the effectiveness of having the same curriculum? Does it you know, help to um, bring that sort of teaching in? Or, you know, uh, is it worthwhile having uh, different aspects of curriculum in different areas to suit the demographics and needs of those students. Australia really for a long time had a gold standard of education but we've seen a dropping of that over a period of time and I would say you know really looking more towards the American system and I guess really looking at funding and supporting private aspects of not just private schools but public-private Uh, funding and deals within uh, government schools as well. Uh, One of the more worrying parts of this is the partnerships with large companies like Apple, IBM and weapons uh, companies and manufacturers uh, through their sponsorship to science programs and maths programs and that's definitely an issue we're going to explore as well. So, on today's episode, I'm joined by our teacher, Ben, who has taught both in Victoria and in Western Australia, and we're having a chat to him about some of the differences in the education system in Western Australia and Victoria, and just some of his uh, observations and and thoughts about the education system in general. Just before we get to that interview, I'm going to hear a song from The White Stripes, It's called, We Are Going To Be Friends. You're listening to Stick Together.
1: Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walking blues, climb the fence, books and pens, I can tell that we are going to be friends. and now it's time to learn. Numbers, letters, learn to spell. Nouns and books and show and tell. Playtime, we will throw the ball back to class through the hall. Teacher marks I hide against the wall. Teacher marks I hide against the wall. We don't notice any time pass. We don't notice anything. We sit side by side in every class. Teacher thinks that I sound funny, but she likes the way you sing. Tonight I'll dream while I'm in bed when silly thoughts go through my head.
2: I think um, well firstly you know being a graduate teacher when I when I uh, started teaching I was able to complete just a one-year diploma of education in Victoria. Uh, To add on to my bachelor degree and that that allowed me to become a teacher. Uh, So, you know, it's a bit different now. There's the the courses you need to qualify longer. And I think that's probably fairly wise because I felt very, very underprepared with only, you know, a year of training to go into a school. So I think every teacher has a period of, depending on on the individual you know from from one to maybe five years or where they really are still finding their feet within the system and and coming to terms with the demands that are on a teacher um, which I think beyond reasonable expectation and we can perhaps talk a little bit about that as well Uh, but you know I think, I think the, the constraints, for example, of, um, in Victoria, the, the, um, the Year 11 and 12, you know, curriculum um, can box you in, certainly, you know, in terms of what, what you can really teach students, you know, compared to what what I would think of as a real, like the real world of theatre, for example, is much different to what the, the documentation is asking us to teach Year 11 and 12s. And I think that's because, in a way, at the end of the day, they have to have something that they can assess in some kind of concrete way so they want to develop curriculum that is accessible you know Um, I probably found far more um, space to pass on through sort of extracurricular you know um, spaces like doing school productions or doing theatre sports things you know with kids that are not part of the structured curriculum and so you know schools offer that I think that's where I found more satisfaction than than working within the boundaries of documentation, curriculum, etc.
0: And I guess you know, like you said, the teachers can really struggle in perhaps the first five years of um, coming out of the uh, teaching degree into the classroom. And you know, I'd say that's probably a common experience for people who are in a new career and for graduates when they first start their job. But most graduates are not left in a in a room with you know fifteen to thirty people to say okay well we'll see you at the end of the day good luck with that and I guess mm. that's where you said you know that uh, with that responsibility and perhaps is too much comes for perhaps any teacher to have that many people to monitor uh, you know maybe if you could go into that because there's a lot of complexities within that and I think you know children with, with special needs or teaching at different levels you know all of those mm. kind of things how hard is it within a within a class to kind of maintain all of that? Yeah, it's,
2: I mean, as a graduate teacher, I think it would be okay to expect a teacher to be left alone with X amount of students in in whatever context um you know without necessarily having like tons of different support around you uh that's not so much what i'm talking about in terms of the expectations but um it's the it's the big the big package of being a teacher you know that and like graduate teachers in victoria do have a um their a full a full time allotment is less than uh, a more experienced. They they do give you a little bit of time there um, to acknowledge that you're still starting out. But you know the uh, look. I, I, look, take my my circumstances for example. When I came into my first job as a teacher, I happened to pick up halfway through a year, um, but <clears throat> I didn't really have a lot of uh, you know lesson plan to come to to go right, well, this is what the, te- the students are, are learning and doing you know there's a hell of a lot to navigate in terms of what I'm what I need to be teaching in the classroom there's all the kind of uh, uh, outside the classroom expectations from you know at the moment the teachers uh, are involved in you know the national collection of data for dis- dis- disabilities and they're required to, you know there's just so much there that um i can really understand why you know i think that the burnout rate for teachers in their first five years is is really of a concern uh, because they're just finding it difficult to to manage all that stuff you know really you you'd be better if a graduate teacher could in some way just be focused on what they're doing inside the classroom with, yeah, with probably more support. Um, and, you know, if we really had the sort of the aids we 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 need in a in classroom, not just for a graduate teacher, but for, for any teacher um, when they need to, be considering, you know, the individual needs of of lots of students who might have disabilities or, you know, just need extra support. Um, If those things were all as they probably should be, you know, and a graduate teacher was just able to to focus on that, that sort of stuff, it might be far more manageable, but they are obviously expected to do all the other things that um, any teacher should be doing. And, you know, obviously the teacher's been doing this for five, 10 years, it becomes much even report, you know, the idea of reporting on students for a first time crack at that. It took me so long to, to fill out reports the first time I'd done them. You know, I was, I was worried about, you know, getting it right, but also I hadn't done it before. So those things all, take up a lot of time and energy and um, I think that's I can yeah it's it's no surprise that a lot of teachers just just burn out before they get past that sort of period of time where they feel comfortable
0: and that the kind of outside hours and you know report marking those kind of you know from across all sort of education levels even at university level of um, you know marking for tutors to mark work and that's really been a, a big sticking point over the past you know, probably a decade or more for um, teachers across all education sectors about getting paid uh, properly for those hours. And, you know, those hours being something that is counted as, as, as work. And of course, it is work, even if it's not taking place uh, in the classroom itself. Yeah, that's,
2: well, that's, that's a huge issue for teachers, you know, I think, um, there's no way around the fact that they will pretty much have to be doing work outside of normal hours if they are going to fulfill all of their obligations as a teacher. Uh, and, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I do know teachers who, who have sort of almost the self-discipline to say, no, I'm just going to arrive at, at work and, you know, whatever I don't get done by 4 o'clock or whenever I'm leaving, I'm, I'm not going to do it. But And that's, you know... That's really how how it should be, but I know that most teachers just feel the sense of responsibility that you know they've they've got to do this job well, or you know, and I think that's that is where we start to really see that it you know if if this job is such an important job that that teachers feel that you know uh, and everyone else. Probably acknowledges that as well that it's not something we want people to be doing you know in half measures. Um, why isn't it? Why isn't it being paid you know anything like similarly kind of important jobs in in our social um, you know makeup? Um, it's it's really not. And I, I was looking at some statistics um, today about you know the pay of teachers, and it seems to be that that you know a, the starting wage of teachers is is not too far out of line with other professions doctors and and that you know in terms of where we start but how it grows is really where where it falls off you know once and it does there are increments you know you you kind of go through but um yeah it sort of plateaus out or or it doesn't just doesn't grow at the same that same rate as other i won't say comparable professions because there's not really anything like anti. but if you know if you want to sort of talk about the really key sectors of of our, you know, of our community, like the health sector and, you know, whatever, Um, you know i mean mean, probably talk about nurses in the same same way that you know they're so pivotal to the i mean to the way our society is is kind of runs you know Mm. Uh, and and teachers we've seen how how with covid how um how important they are not just because we're educating kids but but because actually they are the ones who are who are um responsible for our children while everyone else goes to work you know
0: yeah and i think um... things
2: gonna fall apart really Mm. (laughs) if they're not there sorry
0: Yeah, I think there's a couple of really good um, points to kind of draw on there. And, you know, one is I think that a lot of those kind of jobs you're talking about, you know, teachers, nurses, um, you know, social workers, people within the kind of community sector, traditionally roles that were taken up by women and, you know, traditionally roles that are extremely underpaid, you um, you know. I don't think that's a coincidence there that, you know, clearly obviously women are you know, underpaid in in society, in Australia in general. And, you know, those roles are things that, like, as you said, that they've become, or we've we've known, but they're roles that are vital to the structure of society, to caring for people in society, to teaching people in society. And, and, you know, without them, the kind of systems, you know, crumble and fall down. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, it's expected that they can be done for a cheaper rate than... You know, some of the roles that we've seen are, you know, perhaps not as vital as, as others, you know, which has, as you said, been highlighted through COVID.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's, I think there's a lot about the education system that is kind of hanging on to Archaic, you know, relics of the past, and and I hadn't really thought about what you said there in terms of the traditional gender roles and how that's kind of played out over history. And, you know, in the way that they've been paid, but you know, the system itself is is also, you know, um, still, I guess, essentially modelled around, um, you know, a context that's no longer existing. And and I, I always sort of, I, I mean, the, the one example I like to point to is is this idea of, I guess, that, that we you know, essentially are kind of educating towards particular vocations or jobs, you know, like uh, the more and more, the, the, you know, the further you go through towards uh, senior secondary school, the more that becomes pronounced. But, yeah. you know, it's still essentially like, okay, what job is this student going to be, what pathway are they going to be put on? Um, but, and that, that might be okay, you know, well, I don't think it's ever really okay, but at least more effective in a time where jobs aren't really changing very much and where what you need to do to be, let's say, you know, an architect doesn't change. I mean, 50 years ago, you could say, well, what, what does an architect do now? And what did they do 20, 30 years ago? Probably didn't look very much different at all whereas now you know uh, the the tools used the software you know everything's just changing so quickly that we really don't know what jobs we are teaching our kids to be ready for mm. um let alone what the, you might need to be able to do to be to be within that job that um surely you get to a point where the question is well how do we what do we need to do then you know and the answer Probably something like, well, we need to, we need to really be focusing more on teaching learners how to be good learners, how to be people who can, you know, come to a new kind of. Idea, or you know, go, all right. Well, I didn't know that that's what I was going to have to do in this position, but I can learn how to do that because those are the kinds of skills that I've been given through my education. Um, and I don't think we're really, you know, things are changing, things are changing, but but not really enough, you know, in a in a in a radical enough way to to adjust to such a, a radical change in in our, our society in our culture in everything um as we're seeing you know we know exponential things just things are changing every minute now so um but there's lots of other you know i, I remember being in university and uh, one of my lectures showed me a picture of what a classroom looked like 100 years ago and then showed one from sort of a couple of days ago and it didn't really look at the only thing that changed was instead of there was blackboards in front of the students there was whiteboards you know and I mean I know that's way a, a bit of an oversimplification but it did illustrate in a way how things haven't really changed that much. Um, over the last hundred years, you know? I wonder
0: then if we put that in the context of the past um, couple of years, and without you know sort of shifting everything into the framework of Covid, I think it's it's interesting to reflect on some of those things within the context because there's perhaps been an opportunity to look at things in a different way. And it's interesting to see if, um, you know, the education system and and other systems decide to take some lessons from those things or, or not. And, you know, mm. or perhaps individual teachers might have learnt some things from those things as well. Because if we look at, um, you know, I think that's really great imagery that you said there about the classroom and I think all listeners can probably imagine that classroom, you know, perhaps they were in or that they can imagine with a blackboard and, you know, perhaps Mm. a modern one might have a interactive whiteboard that, you know, is um, digitalized even, but, you know, from the picture, it still looks relatively the same, but over the past couple of years, what there's been um, a screen much like we're chatting to each other right now. And then other kids are spread around a suburb. Also on a screen communicating with a teacher, you know, and that is a completely different way of, of learning. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, just thinking about that imagery, but yeah, maybe for yourself, like what are some of the things that, you know, do you think that there's going to be some of those shifts from what might have been learned in COVID, or is there anything for yourself as a teacher that you've learned lessons from?
2: Uh, yeah, look, I think there were certainly things positive things that came out from you know having to learn in that that sort of environment Uh, i guess as an example i mean just by nature of it you know you sort of had to give students probably a bit more choice about what they might do um in that time you know when when i was with them i I mean being a high school teacher i still was kind of running on a timetable if you like Mm -hmm. you know where I, and i had to some days i was expected to be online you know on um we use teams but whatever you know platform would be uh trying to instruct uh or, or you know connect in some way with students but other days it might just be that a, a message was left to the students about what they needed to do um so i guess there's a frame there's already a framework there where you know i mean students they might not even turn up you know what i mean There mm-hmm. there's that thing so the the all right, what about if they they do turn up today, but they didn't yesterday? Or what about ones that are going to be, who will have already finished that task or already, you know, I think it it actually made me think far more about um, a, a more flexible kind of classroom you know where there was more more choice and more more accounted you know which is strange in a way you think like when the kids are actually physically in front of you you'd be thinking more about those individuals and what their their needs would be but in some strange way I think I think I guess because I didn't have that immediacy I had to kind of go right I don't I don't actually know what any of these kids are where they're at today so what what can I do to kind of cover just cover more Bases and give them an opportunity to 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 learn and and more choices and you know and also I guess using um, digital platforms and things you know uh, I, I realised that there was there, there was a lot of value there in um, in in utilising those in 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 certain ways um, I guess yeah so there was certainly really really uh, good good things coming out of that. Um, you know, I guess there is there was probably the question as well with this, you know, that will um, people in power start kind of going, oh, hello, hmm, we don't actually need teachers mm-hmm. in classrooms every day, you know, maybe, can, you know, that this actually might become an issue for, yeah, not uh, automating us is not mm-hmm. the right word, but do you know what I mean? Like uh, kind of going, oh, the, we could actually cut down on a lot of the resources we do use because... Where in some way making remote learning work, you know, and, and they're not, teachers aren't having to come to school. Well, we already um,
0: have seen that in universities, you know, I think that yeah, there's been yeah. some industrial sort of fights about the, you know, when you give a lecturer, like when a lecturer speaks at university that that's recorded and then, um, yeah. you know, the students are able to listen to it later. And that was happening kind of before COVID, but obviously became really important throughout covid and you know those lecturers are asking about the i guess the intellectual property of that recording because yeah you know what they can use that for say you know maybe at least 3 or 4 years and go oh we might need to get um you know ben in to refresh that class again but you know yeah. no, no teacher can survive on just recording their uh, classes every 3 or 4 years obviously so i yeah. think it's um perhaps not something that is at the forefront of, you know, for primary and high school education, but it's definitely something that's happening at university. So, yeah, it's not as kind of um, science fiction as we would hope. No, no. But, uh, look, I think um, one thing that many
2: teachers, you know, not just people right throughout will have realised through COVID was um, how damaging that sort of environment that became for students mental health you know and uh although oh great we might be you know able to do a lot of things here with them out of needing to come to school that the fact that kids weren't coming to school particularly for kids where um their home isn't particularly a great place to be you know um or, you know or for a variety of reasons um they were just you know there was a lot of um a lot of mental health issues being exacerbated by by homeschooling. So I definitely think that you know any idea that that, that, that should be kind of a uh, an option for kids in a you know primary or secondary context would be very very uh, worrying because you know that that the safety of a school you know um, for, is really important for a lot of kids as well as obviously just having that that social and social playground to to learn from as well
0: Um, so we're we're talking about the australian education system here we're speaking with ben who's a teacher um taught both in victoria and in western australia and ben i wonder if you could talk a little bit about perhaps some of the differences you found you know i guess from a curriculum perspective from wa to victoria or just as an individual as a teacher you know there's some kind of things that listeners will be interested in hearing you know what is the difference between kind of working in as the same same job but you know in um in different states
2: yeah look i I will I'll say that there's there's a few things I'll, i'll probably say here that that might be uh i might just be wrong about you know what i mean i'm not i'm not an expert on the individual details of uh, you know, curriculum differences from state to state. So I'm happy to be corrected on anything I sort of say. But uh, from what, I mean, Australia has, you know, a national kind of curriculum that's been worked on and, and sort of changed and redrafted over the last, I don't know how many years. I think it sort of came in, was it Julia
0: Gillard. So I think, was that part of Julia Gillard's? Yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah, Minister,
2: yep. yeah. Um, so, so when you look at the curriculum documents, uh, but for example, let, let's take your ten English, for example, between Victoria and WA, they they do look virtually identical. You know, they they in fact they they take the the learning standards or statements or outcomes or you know from that sort of national curriculum, uh, and they just, I mean, they look different on the page,
0: but they're, they're, there's not a lot of difference really at all, uh, from
2: what I can see. The
0: impact of you know, many things that you covered throughout today of of teaching in in different states and and hearing about the kind of some of the fundamentals of what students need and some of the lessons that we can learn coming out of COVID. So thanks a lot, Ben.
2: My pleasure, man. Thanks for opening up the discussion. It's really important. Thank you.